Hello, and thank you for joining us for How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, wait, you never saw Legally Blonde? Or, oh, come on, you never caught The Edge of Seventeen? Or, how have you not seen But I'm a Cheerleader? again and thank you for joining us for this week's episode i'm caroline thompson i'm carson betts and this is how have you not seen a movie podcast where each week we pick one of our favorite movies that the other hasn't seen we talk about it then we go and watch the movie and then we talk about it some more it's gonna be a real good time so um we are we are continuing on in our little um, back to school series for those of you who are um, in school right now. And this is um, less about uh, back to school. And I don't want to give too much away, but more of like back to conversion therapy. So, oh, um, yeah, that classic genre, <laughs> you know, the 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 classic genre. Um, so. Before I give too much away, um, I just want to hop in and ask the the perennial question on the show, which is Carson. Yes. How have you not seen? But I'm a cheerleader. Uh, okay. Well, I'll just I'll, I'll just run through. I think it's fairly quickly my entire relationship with this film, which is that uh, one, I didn't know anything about it or that it existed, and then two, like probably about a year ago, like real deep midst of the pandemic. Cause I was, I mean, I still do, but at the time, especially I was just watching an utter shit ton of YouTube and YouTube started doing it's like they show movies and I would always get that movie in my YouTube recommended like all the time, constantly. And I would see it and be like, oh, okay, whatever. I don't know. And then eventually I started looking at it going, wait a second, is that Natasha Leone? Oh, holy shit, that is Natasha Leone. And then, and then we were talking about doing it on the podcast. And I think you said, oh, yeah, it's like a, you know, it's kind of like a, a queer film. It's about conversion therapy. And that is, I mean, we do, we, I just did two segments right there. That is the extent to which I know about that movie. <laughs> we're running okay, through great. it today. Yeah, for real. No, yeah. Um, it's kind of a, uh, for a little bit of context, um, it's, you know, it's a cult classic, I would say, um, from the late 90s, um, very early in Natasha Leone's career. And certainly, I mean, Natasha Leone is somebody who has been acting for, for years and years and years. Isn't, like, super mega famous in that she doesn't really lead, like, you know, she doesn't really lead big budget wide release films. But, you know, she's been in Orange is the New Black. She's been, you know, she's been a steady presence in you know, American film and TV for the last 20, 25 years. And this was sort of like, you know, I caught, I, I hesitate to say her big break because it was not a big movie. It was shot um, on a budget of $1 million. So it was certainly not a big movie at all. And um, it is a little, um, I don't know. Yeah, it is, it is, it is definitely, I would say a cult classic. Um, it's one of those movies that I had heard about for 
years and years and years and years and years and um finally caught a few years ago um and i personally think it's great well hell yeah good i'm i'm, I'm glad you do if we're gonna talk about it <laughs> yeah for if we're gonna talk about it for upwards of an hour hopefully at least one of yeah. us thinks it's great and uh yeah and i don't want to um I don't want to assume anything about anyone on this podcast, but um, as as the resident gay on the show, um, yes. I, uh, I I feel it it is my duty to bring to bring this film up because it's uh, certainly dated in many 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 ways, but it's also still very a very lovely very lovely little thing. Um, and again, don't mean to uh, don't mean to just assume things about people, but uh, we have our producer Corey on the podcast, who is a happily married man. Um, oh yes, to, to a woman, no Corey, less. Yes, yeah, well, that's kind of what I was implying there. But <laughs> um, producer Corey, um, do you do you know anything about this movie? Have you seen this before? I mean, this feels like something. This feels like something that our our friend group would have forced you to watch in college. I uh, I actually know even less about this movie than Carson. Uh, he wow. saw it on his YouTube recommended. I didn't even know it existed until I saw the spreadsheet of what movies we were covering. <laughs> but it sounds <laughs> thrilling. It Fantastic. Sounds, um, it sounds so good. I can't wait. Well, the excitement that both of you are are bringing to watch this movie does not make me revoke your ally cards, but... Aw, <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I, I should just say, I think, uh, you know, as, as also a straight man, I think when I brought Spring Breakers to this podcast, I brought as much straightness as I needed to bring to anything, you know? So we're all filled up on, on that. <laughs> I fair, could not agree fair. more. <laughs> <laughs> oh that is that is very fair well if that is all that either of you know about this movie um why don't we go ahead and uh that just gives us some more time in the back half to talk about it um oh yeah it gives us you know a little bit more meat on the bone to kind of hell hear totally yeah. essentially blind reactions so um let's go ahead and move one step closer to watching the film and let's move in to our little game for the week and so um, the game we are playing this week is um, a fun little game uh, that I like to call Six Degrees of Laura Dern. Um, it Hell is yeah. pretty much exactly what it sounds like. For those of you at home who are maybe unfamiliar with the game, the way it works is I am going to give Carson an actor in this film. And he is going to try to, within six degrees, so... Uh, you know, this person was in this movie with this person who was in this movie with this person. Try to build a, a little tiny baby little bridge to a uh, famed, beautiful, wonderful, talented American treasure, Laura Dern. Um, I have one pre-prepared. And if Carson can either tie or beat my pre-prepared one, then he, uh, then he wins. So Carson... Are yes. you uh, are you about ready to give this a go? Yeah, let's start. So <laughs> this... the actor you will be starting with is um, obviously we've we've talked about her already. The lead of this film, Natasha Leone. Mm. <laughs> Wait. Okay, give me a second. I got to look something up. I got to I got to remind myself that if Natasha Leone was actually in this, because I think she was. She was okay. 
Okay, I got it. All right. Let's hear it. This is just a, let me, we're, we are just going to traipse through an, an, a really interesting selection of movies. All right. So Natasha Leone, yeah? Uh-huh. Natasha Leone was in, I don't know which one specifically, but I know she was in like a few of the American Pie movies. Uh, Eugene Levy is in like all fucking 20 of the all American of Pie in, movies. He's in every, every single one of them. Every I single even one. Like pick, the DVD ones too. Pick your poison. I had, I had to, this because I actually had it wrong. I thought he was in the first one, but he's not. Eugene Levy is in the uh, third Night of the Museum movie. Famous person who's in all the Night of the Museum movies, Owen Wilson, who is in Little Fockers with Laura Dern. Is, is Laura Dern in Little Fockers? Yes, she is. Damn it. Damn, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Because I initially, um, I, I think you might have tied me. Um, mm. I will give, I will give the one that I came up with and then we can talk about some alternative routes that I had a lot of trouble getting to. If I would have known that Laura Dern was in Little Fockers, I could have gotten it very quickly. But anyway, I have Natasha Leone is in But I'm a Cheerleader with Clea Duvall, her uh, co-lead, who is in John Carpenter's The Ghosts of Mars, uh, which is kind of considered to be his worst movie with Ice Cube. Who was in <laughs> Boys in the Hood with Lawrence Fishburne, who was in <gasps> Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors with Patricia Arquette, who is in True Romance Warriors. with Dennis Hopper, who is in Blue Velvet with Laura Dern. Wow. The Dennis Hopper route is classic. But I do t- love that. But I'll tell you what, I... I the the one I was killing myself is one of the one of the young men in this movie is Rufio in the movie Hook. His name is Dante Basco, and mm. he plays Rufio in Hook. And I was like, I was like, okay, we got Hook. We got Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, uh, Julia Roberts. I was trying so hard to figure one out with one of those three. Um, and I got to Little Fockers with Dustin Hoffman because I was like, okay, Hoffman, Kramer versus Kramer, mm-hmm. all the President's Men, um, you know, fucking Ishtar, uh, Rain Man. I was just like, I was racking my brain trying to find a Hoffman route, trying to find a Julia Roberts route. Um, and I did not know Laura Dern was in Little Fockers. I saw that movie in theaters with my mother. I think I was wow. like 11. Uh that was the last time I saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, I think I was, I mean, I was, I also saw it probably several years after because I, I believe my grandparents have that movie on DVD. Oh my goodness. Can, can yeah. I, wait, actually. It's, it's a real, it's a older people movie. Yeah, can I, we have a little bit of time here. Can I just tell a quick aside that I thought was funny? The last that is related yes. to this movie in no way. But I was uh, at my grandparents' house recently, and I was sitting next to their, like, they've got a, you know, a standee of DVDs. And I look over, I'm kind of looking through them, and I see they have the DVD for the movie Munich, which I was a movie that I watched, like, last year of the pandemic. And I, I love that thing. It's great. Eric Bonneman. Uh, but uh, 
I, I turned to my grandpa and we go, oh, do you like Munich? And he goes, oh, no, I've never seen it. And I was like, have the DVD. And he goes, yeah. I said, okay, fair enough. Hey, I'm, I'm like that. I have probably, I have probably like 15 movies on Blu-ray that I've never seen. Cause I mm. go to, I go to like the used video store here in town and I'm like, oh my God. Like, yeah. Like I was like, this movie's supposed to be really good or really interesting. Like I'm going to pick yeah. that up and I put it on my shelf and, and never look at it. It is um, nice. It's like a promise that you'll do, like a promise you make to yourself that you'll, you'll watch it later. One day. One day. Um, and really quickly. So Carson, um, just count the movies that are not I'm a Cheerleader. So I had Ghost of Mars, Boys in the Hood, Nightmare on Elm Street, True Romance, Blue Velvet. So I had five. How many did you mm. have? Uh, American Pie, Battle of the Smithsonian, uh, Lil, Lil Fockers. Okay, so. Yeah. Okay, so Carson, all of that said, you won the game this week. Um, yeah, Congratulations. Did. Always, well, thank always you. a very hard one to be put on the spot um, and do a chain. Uh, to Laura Dern. So I, I, I applaud you and I applaud your victory. Um, we are going to go watch, but I'm a cheerleader. Hell yeah, we are. Yeah. We're going to go watch the movie and we will see all of you after the break. See you. See you after the break. And we are back. We're back. Carson. Yes. Let's just let's just hop on into yeah. it. We just watched, but I'm a yes. cheerleader. What did I you think? I fucking loved it. Oh, I fucking loved it. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, this movie's so good. It's so good. Isn't it? Okay, talk to me. Okay, talk okay. to me. Talk to me. This movie is okay, just first blush. This thing is so in tune to my comedic sensibilities. Like it is, I, I laughed at like every joke basically. And then on top of that, it is one of those movies that, that I, I personally love where it can be, it has such a great control over its tone such that it can be completely absurd and, and like irreverent. And then very quickly switch into being something that is so full of heart and so sincere and so lovely or so scary and so tense. Like, the, within the course of this movie, I felt the full range of human emotions. Like it, it has a little bit of, like a little bit of everything in it. And it's just, ah, uh, it's just so wonderful. I mean, it's, the characters are, and, and again, it's the, the writing's really good and the acting is really well suited to it because everything, again, is for the most part so absurd and so out of proportion, but the characters are so well realized and so human. It's like it, it's yeah. great. It's just so great. It's great. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm glad to hear that you liked this movie. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, well, yeah, I this mean, is yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that. I, it's it's great. I mean, I have obviously seen this movie before. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen it several times, but this was the first time that I like really sat down, like you know, because we're gonna do a podcast. I'm like, I need to have takes. I need to have notes. Yeah. yeah. Um. And like movies like low-key like kind of perfect mm-hmm. like literally like and and i don't mean like i don't mean that to be like it's the best movie ever made i'm i, I don't no. mean that to be like you know i just like mean i don't think there is a 
I don't think there is a single choice that is made in this movie that um, that conflicts with any other choice. I don't think there's anything that's being done in this movie that doesn't work to the overall betterment of the film as a whole. I mean, I think it is like, I, I don't think, I, there is no flaw I can find in it. Yeah, I, I, have, I have like one very mild criticism and it's kind of also half a praise, uh, which is just, I, I think it's like a touch over, like a touch over long. And I think that that comes solely out of a thing that the movie does, which I think is just a, a continuously hilarious joke that they play again and again and again, which is the, the kind of central conceit of so many of the activities at the conversion camp being these over-the-top versions of the kind of expected like hetero and gender normative activities that these, oh my Lord, there's thunder outside my apartment. Um, you know, and, and the, and the kids doing those activities and being so absurdly bad at them, like just so utterly incorrect for those roles that they're being forced into. Um, and like, I laugh at every single one of those jokes. I think they all work. There's a a director's cut of this, which I'm like, I wonder if the director's cut is just, and also those jokes are so joyous, like just every, everyone involved in them from the direction to the writing, to the performance is so it is thundering like a motherfucker out here. My Lord, this is what happens. That's crazy. When you live by I can lake. hear that. Yeah. Oh my God. Sorry, everyone. If you're just hearing thunder through my microphone, but like all of those jokes are so joyous that like my wonder. I I, I kind of want to watch it now. I'll probably wait a couple of months and then watch the director's cut. But like, I wonder if the director's cut is just fifteen minutes, like fifteen more minutes of that. And like, I think I'd probably like that because I like that joke and it works every time. But I do think that like by the time the movie gets to, because it's split up into those sections, you know, it's doing that like nineteen right. nineties Quentin Tarantino postmodern thing where it's you know split up into the title cards. And uh, by the time they get to the final test and then they do like another round of that joke, I'm like, you could have cut out this five minutes. I think it would have flowed a bit better. You know, I think at that point in the movie, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of ready for the climax here. Like, give me that that final stretch of the movie. Um, but again, mild criticism. I do think this thing is pretty much like pretty perfect. I agree with you. It's, it's a very well-contained piece of art on every level. And it's just so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's a, it is a quote unquote, I mean, it is a cult classic uh, technique. Sure. Really, it's a, it's a gay classic. Like, you yeah. know, it's, and I'm really glad to see um, that, you know, it's been getting a lot more praise recently. Cause if you actually like look up historical reviews, if you look at it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's IMDb, it's Rotten Tomatoes, it's um, like Metacritic, like all of those things that are stupid and dumb. Um, if you look yeah. at them, like, it got like relatively, it's it's pretty poorly reviewed at the time, which I don't know. I'm I'm curious, and I want to kind of ask you, Carson, and also Corey, if yeah. you want to hop in. I just as a very large gay. <laughs> As as a very 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 gay member of this podcast, you um, are ten feet tall. That is true. <laughs> yes, I am the biggest gay. Um, like literally. Um, 
it is one of those things where it's like, it is a very overt movie in so much of what it's doing. Yeah. So much yeah. of what it's doing is very overt, but there is so much subtlety in it as yeah. well. Um, and like, there is so much like, I mean, it's, it is a crash course kind of in the, it's like, a, it is a one-on-one, like what to expect when you're expecting to come out, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it hits every note in there. And I'm just curious. I just kind of want to hear your guys, like overall, like opinion on like, just kind of like how you felt yeah. the journey of the movie is, because it really is like, there is so much like, I mean, obviously the thing where she's like making out with her boyfriend and she's like looking off oh into space God. and it's both physically disgusting yeah. because he's doing it in a way that's horrible, but also like, you know, it is like comedically absurdly disgusting. But like, you know, that's like a hype, that's a hyperbolic version of that. But then there's like also like all these other just like little things in there, just like the looks on her face when everyone's telling her that she's gay and she's just like, she doesn't have a line. She doesn't say a word. She yeah. doesn't have any retort. It's just the utter confusion of like, how do you know this? And I don't like, what is wrong mm -hmm. with me? That's making you say this. Like, I, I am not to my knowledge, I am not this way. So like, there's yeah. so much going on there. And I just kind of want to hear about like, how you guys felt about how those things were like portrayed. Because yeah. I have opinions, but they are both, they are both very biased and very like, but also like I am kind of the key demographic. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I, you know what, let me just say, I think it's really brave that you're allowing a straight person to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I think that our opinions have been discounted for two, uh, no, fuck that. Um, no, but I get what you're asking that because well, I could, that's the thing is one of the things I thought about watching this movie is I kind of had these, you know, kind of two meta thoughts about it, about, you know, particularly it's hard to say the queerness of the film when so much of it is so blatantly about that but is that one part of me was like thinking wow this is a really accessible movie for the straights like I do I as a straight person do not feel talked down to at all mm -hmm. um like the I I and and I think that's because so much of the drama in this movie is so human too. Like there are the elements that are very blatantly like this is about the particularized feelings of being queer and coming out. But so much of the drama and so much of the character interaction is just so goddamn human, which I think really helps the film in a way because to me one of the things and you know to me as a straight person I should say because I do think it colors my my view of the main themes of this film is that the thing about this film that made me i i cried for a little bit at one point of this and the oh. thing that i think is the most potent just it was the moment the and again it was much like paddington it was my roommate turning to me and being like are you crying right now and i was like yeah it was the um when clee duval comes over and kisses her good night absolutely i'm thinking about it now and it's kind of getting me it, it's just, that small moment absolutely wrecked me i I can't really say why. I mean, I can't say why. I'll talk about it at length. But um, that by the time you get to the parts of this movie, because the first bit of it is, is I mean, the whole thing's really absurd. But the first kind of act is truly like 
absurd and you know overblown yeah yeah um but once you very get stylized the, very yeah like, very yeah. stylized and i think the man visually this movie does some really cool stuff with kind of juxtaposing the like queered out uh like queering of gender normativity reality of the conversion camp with the like really down to earth and gritty and realistic um like when they go to the gay club like i love that transition is is really visually cool um, but this movie fundamentally to me, which is colored slightly my me being a straight person, is about getting this empathy for people who might not necessarily be like yourself. But like the thing that kept breaking my heart was like, these gay kids are having the most normal ass, like human teenager problems. They are experiencing young love and betrayal and like all the things that if our society wasn't so fucking stupid and homophobic, they would just be able to experience like normal teenagers and they could just live that, all that beauty and all that heartbreak and all that confusion, you know, free and unfettered. But because we live in this goddamn stupid homophobic society that fucking puts all these expectations on them and wants them to change and sees them as fucking other and unhuman, they have to experience those emotions through the fucking lens of being at this goddamn stupid fucking conversion camp where they're being constantly told that they're wrong for feeling those things. And it is enough to make me cry and it is enough to get me really fucking mad at the state of the world. Like, it, it's ridiculous. Um, because you just have these moments of young love and goddamn, we, maybe not right now, but we can put a pin in it and come back to it. Like, the romance between... Um, uh, between Megan and I'm forgetting Clea Duvall's character's name, but just like that romance is so fucking good. It's so potent and it's, it's romantic, but it's realistic. It is, it is sexy, but it's not exploitative. It is, it's great. It's so good. And the fact that the movie ends, I'm really glad. And honestly, I think that you could come up with a few different endings for these, for this movie that would feel correct and would kind of lean towards different thematic branches of the film but like the the catharsis of them getting together at the end is so good it is it is just lovely it is one of the like most heart-wrenchingly beautiful moments that i've had watching a film in a long time like it's it's great um yeah no the but okay and so then this is i put a pin in the thing before my second thought pervading meta thought about the movie while watching it was like man i wonder like my dad's not like a giant homophobe but he's also just like a dude in his 50s who's straight and isn't cool about a lot of stuff i wonder if he would understand literally any of this you know yeah well i yeah. mean that's and a that's a that's a good point to bring up because kind of the reason that like I mean other than like the whole conceit of the show is like mm -hmm. one of us is watching the movie for the first time and like part of the fun of that is just like you know these are you know unrehearsed takes you know yeah. these are things that you like these are your knee-jerk reactions like that's part of it but also it's one of those things mm -hmm. where it's like I can sit here and say, like, I have all of these notes on, like, not even, I don't know, I, I hesitate to say a deep read because, like, sure. so much of the art of this movie is about how broad it is. Yeah. Like, and about how absurd it is. So it's, it's less of a deep read and more of, like, oh, this is a, like, I find this to be a very, very good way of 
displaying this or portraying this or whatever. Like I have a lot of notes about like what I think the movie is doing in a lot of spots and how it gets things really right and blah, 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 blah. But like, I can sit here and say that. And while it is extremely important, like for, for any, for any person of like any walk of life, you know, any demographic, like any marginalized group, like it is important to see, like, it is important to have that representation and to have like experiences mm-hmm, that like mm-hmm. you and like your community have, it's important to be able to see that on screen. Like it's important for me that I am able to do a show where I get to talk about like, as an, as an extremely queer woman, I get to talk about the experience of being very queer, but also yeah. like a film like this, like if it is inaccessible to folks like if you need you know if you need the secret decoder ring you know if you need the gay secret decoder ring that they like send us in the mail like when you come out um, (laughs) when you join the gay club yeah it's yeah it's it's almost you know it, it then defeats the purpose of the movie so it's and i think this movie does that actually very well of being broad enough and absurd enough that like folks who have never gone through the process of coming out and folks who have never had those like first relationships, like those first Mm -hmm. queer relationships where you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. You know what I mean? It's it's like, well, like I've seen, I've seen thousands of movies of straight couples and I know how straight couples are supposed to act, but like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do here. Like, yeah. While it is important to like see that on screen and like, while it's awesome to have that, it's also one of those things where if that gets lost, then, you know, if it's not accessible, then that's bad. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, it can be. So. And it's, yeah, I was reading the Wikipedia page about kind of the, you know, the, like you said, the, the very highly mixed, somewhat negative reaction. And, uh, one of the things that said it was that a lot of critics compared it negatively to the films of John Waters, which I was like, first off, if you make this movie and people are like, oh, it's like a John Waters movie as a criticism, that strikes me as probably the best criticism you could possibly get. And two, like, right. I'm, I'm, I'm no expert on John Waters, but the, the bits of his movies that I've seen are, are more inaccessible than this movie, like more unclear and more inaccessible than this movie is because fundamentally they're also like, art house films whereas this is an absurdist comedy um right no and i mean you're right i mean yes i agree i mean i think broad strokes it's similar to john waters in that like it's very pop it's very gauche it's very visually yeah like you know yeah like that color palette and also i mean it's just really gay and super John Waters is extremely gay and you know um I was kind of looking it up as well to see like what other like LGBT movies were from like this era and so many of them are like and you know this is not this is not an original take like you can talk to any queer person who's in any form of media criticism and they will like levy this criticism but like so much of what came before this movie is like trauma narratives and like stories about how tragic it is to be gay and it's like it's like while the gay people did nothing wrong and like while that shouldn't that horrible tragedy should not have befallen them like isn't it so tragic Mm -hmm. that like you know like boys don't cry and all that stuff like that philadelphia Um, yeah exactly and i mean john waters is one of the only like 
queer, like queer, like people making cinema in the main, like, like the kind of mainstream. Yeah, that's even, that's mm-hmm. even noted that like has like it's like oh it's like it's pop and it's weird and it's crazy and it's like and it's zany. So it's like on the one hand it's like of course they compare this to John Waters, but on the other hand it's just like it's like it has the most like superficial passing resemblance to a John Waters film. Yeah, weirdly, I and I had this thought while watching the movie, and it's it's kind of bonkers out of nowhere. But like thematically this thing has less to do way less to do with john waters and more to do with fucking the matrix which you know came out almost concurrently with this thing down to the fact that cleat of all uh looks like trinity <laughs> um because it's more about triumph over a thing rather than the oppression of the thing you know uh yeah but right cleat of all is really good in this it's kind of out of here it's added i mean everybody's good in this but like She's really fucking good in this. Before we pivot to Clea Duvall, I'd love to yeah. jump in on this point for a second. One of the first things Carson said is, is it, as a straight person watching this movie, he didn't feel like it was talking down to him. And I think kind of looking at it through the lens of how much joy it brings and how it doesn't center tr- really the trauma of this experience at all is that it's not necessarily talking to a heterosexual audience. No. Not at all it's centering these young queer experiences and i think that is one of the things that is a strength of it is it doesn't necessarily it's you know if you want to watch it great um and i think you know i have to imagine that's part of the reason that it had such a mixed critical response at first but I, i think that really at its heart it's not talking to a heterosexual audience. It's, it's, if you want to watch it, great. If not, whatever. But I, I just wanted to kind of throw that point in before we pivoted to Cleo Duvall, who is fucking phenomenal in this movie. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's my two cents. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, I mean, that is a very good point. And it's one of those things where the history of this film is interesting because it came out in 99. Um, it was, a budget of a million dollars and you know it kind of it it came out it didn't get a huge release like it, it nothing really became of it but through the last 20-ish years of just gays finding this movie you know i mean i didn't i did not read about this movie um i didn't i did not see any criticism written about this movie until a few years ago but i had seen it and like i had heard of it for years from the LGBT community. Like people, like it's a movie people know. It's one of those just like, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a little, I'm a little young for like sharing VHS tapes, you know, when I, yeah. like in my yeah. teen years. But it's like that thing where it's like, it's like, oh, like, have you seen that? Like we should go like rent it. Like it's, it's one of those ones that it's like, it's very word of mouth. It's very like passed around. Um, and it's like, you know, before I had seen this movie, I had heard about it from a dozen different people, you know? So it's, it is one of those things where it isn't, you know, it's not a movie that was made for mainstream audiences that, you know, was, was well-regarded and that's why it's around. It was a movie that was just like, it was made. And, uh, if it weren't for home video, probably nobody would ever know about it or have like talked about it again. And, uh, over the years, it's just grown that, um, grown that following and grown like that appreciation because I think it is, it is both very accessible for folks who are not queer, but it's also very true to that experience that I think speaks to obviously most like young queer people. Um, 
Yeah. 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 So Clea Duvall is so good. I mean, I personally, I think she's, everybody's, there's nobody in this, everybody, again, the thing of this movie is that everybody's so well-tuned into what it is. Every actor knows exactly what they're doing. Um, Clea Duvall is my MPV and and VP, geez. Uh, Really? Because she was going to be my VH1. Ah, yes. (laughs) She's, She's my MPAA, um, but because God, the level of range she's got to show, like the, and it it does talk to the thing we were kind of talking about before, which is that it, it does take a little while for the the heart of this movie to kick in because at the beginning of it, it is so broad, uh, and she is kind of presented as you know a a, a mopey boyish lesbian who's being very uh, serious, but everything you learn about her and every action that she takes really expands her character. And Cleetoval is there for all of that. Like she is able to play such a wide range. And the just by the point you get into the dilemma, and the dilemma is very very clear of not only, I mean, like everyone there, her parents have very cruelly sent her away to this conversion camp, but she's probably got the most explicitly cruel parents because they're, you know, both just the most outwardly mean about it, but also they're they're setting up the very real consequences, which are there to set up the very real consequences that exist in society for a lot of young gay people, which is just like you, are you going to be true to yourself or are you going to fucking sever ties with your parents, which is, can't can't imagine that that's a good dilemma sounds pretty fucking awful to me um but she like it, it is that thing that we talked about it's the it's the almost um timothy chalamet and ladybird emptiness of understanding the the emptiness and the snark in contrast to what's going on but it's you know much more fulfilled i think in this movie of that like okay yeah that's why she's both so scared and so willing to it's you know her whole ethos of like you're never gonna change just don't get caught like that's the thing of this both why she is so strident about the fact that she's not trying to get straight she's maybe the only person in the camp for most of the movie that's like not legitimately trying because she knows that it's helpless but also she's the one who is the most willing to make concessions to her true self to get through the experience. She's, you know, very well resigned herself to, look, if I'm going to fucking do this at all, I'm gonna do this 100% because it's, the alternative is so goddamn scary, which, yeah, is, is, some, is some depth. And it's, and then also the, well, let's just move into it, the fucking core romance of this thing, which works like gangbusters, it's so good. The fact that she can vacillate between being so, mean and so testy and and so and you know in the beginning of the movie is she's clearly very attracted you know they're attracted to each other but at the beginning you kind of get the feeling that it's like yeah, i've been in this conversion camp a little while i've done some hanky panky because i'm good at not getting caught maybe i could do that with this chick she's green and then that turns into oh my god i actually love this person like and the fact that she did not expect that to happen is very very apparent um which you see yeah uh, it's good. Sorry, talk. I'm just, I'm lost in thought now because I'm just thinking about it. It's so lovely. No, no, I mean, you are good. I mean, it's... I don't know. It's complex. It's so simple and so broad, but it's so complex. 
Right. And I mean, can I throw something in that might be a jumping off point? Yeah. Go. For the romance, I think, I think one of the things from a stylistic standpoint that works so well for me is the romance is the heart of the movie. And like we've talked about a couple of times, the the first like third or whatever Mm -hmm. is super campy and a little bit more stylized. And then when it gets, when it kind of takes that turn and becomes a little bit more down to earth is when the romance uh, starts to, starts to fizzle, starts to happen and they start to really develop the feelings for Mm -hmm. each other. And I think that is why it is sort of the core beating heart of the movie is it's not only affecting in a way it's not only affecting the characters lives but it's affecting how we are seeing the physical and visual world around them as well it doesn't get any less pink it doesn't get any less colorful but i do i do think there is a turn there that is one of the reasons it works yeah well Well, that's a good point i mean carson mentioned it briefly in passing but it, it it is that moment where you know um you know her her high, like her, when she's at her high school, you know, she's at the football field, which is, you know, very normal, like just shot on location. Like it's a field, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but like when she gets to her house, the house is very normal. You know, it is a very normal looking house, but the way they, the way they shoot everything, yeah. the, like, the really like far distance between things, the, the, the like really low or really high angles and how, like how they frame it, it feels very otherworldly and very, yeah. very strange. And then you get to the camp, which is so over the top with everything. Um, yeah. You know, like obviously we've mentioned it, but then Carson mentioned earlier, the first time it's really like real again is when they get in the car to go to the club. Yeah. And like when they're at the club, like it, you know, it's still a comedy. It's still kind of silly, but it's like they get to a club and like that's shot like they're at a bar, you know, like yeah. that is shot like a yep. movie where people are in a space that is real. And it's like the same thing too with the whole stuff. romantic, with the, with the romantic stuff when they're back at the, um, when they, when they return is it's like the way it's shot becomes a lot more naturalistic, which I mean, you know, it's pretty makes pretty perfect sense what they're going for right there um Mm -hmm. and just about how like actually for them it's all the straightness and and also probably for for all of us queer or not included but it's it's actually the 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 straightness and the normalcy quote unquote that is the that is the construct that is the kind of unnatural like thing that you have to constantly be hit over the head with with where then like you know their feelings for one another are just natural so like it doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be this like crazy vibrant insane thing um yeah yeah it's and it goes to and it's always look you know and it's the i mentioned the matrix before it's it's it it is the thing that you notice anytime you see a sex scene that's shot by a woman uh, as compared to one shot by, and not that there are not there are plenty of good sex scenes shot by men, but you know, uh, it, it, it's always a different thing. It's always, it, yeah. as a straight man, it really always kind of fucks me up every time I see it because I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's kind of different from the other perspective, huh? Um, but like that sex scene is so good because it, it, and it's the same reason that the romance is good in general is because it is, it is perhaps the most comfortable and naturalistic scene in the, in the movie. Because I do think that like, 
even the other locations when that happened, like the bar is still a bit of, it's, it's still a little dangerous. It's dangerous in the way that when you're in high school and you go to a bar, a bar is a dangerous right. spot. Even if it's way more natural than the fucking horrible, con- it's, it's a being at the gay bar is a more naturalistic space to be in than being uh, at the conversion therapy camp. It, it's still a little, right. it's still a little seedy, still a little dangerous. Or like even um the the cabin at the end with the, the two cool old gays who are wonderful characters, like, that is a very comforting space, but it's also a little blown out ridiculous because it's like, oh yeah, this is essentially from Natasha Leone's point of view. And like, she doesn't really understand the whole broader gay, everything is covered in rainbows culture quite yet either. But just that place is a little weird to her still, but it's way safer and less oppressive. Yes. But the, well, and, and it's interesting yeah. that you bring up it's interesting that you bring up that space because I was thinking about sure. that as well. And it's that one's almost the mix, you know. It it is a bit yeah. of a mix of the two because the way they decorate it is very gaudy, very over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, you know, we gays were gaudy and over the top very frequently. <laughs> but um, but you know, it's one of those things where it's like it's the decor of that place and how they've like very clearly like by hand painted the rainbows on the walls. You yeah. Know what I mean? That's a very clear, like, Hey, they built this place to be like this. Like they, they decorated this place to be like this, but, and obviously like the, the older couple of the two guys, they're obviously a bit of like, you know, they're, they're a, they're a comedic, like fumbly, like, you know, mm-hmm. Bickering old married couple, and like there, there is a bit of a joke, and there is a bit of like a heightened sense to them. But like overall, the way they shoot those scenes and the way they stage yeah. them is so much more natural. And it's the difference for me of it's like this is a space that they came into and they are comfortable in, so they've decorated it this way, where the camp is like it is constructed to be this Mm -hmm. way you know what i mean yeah there's a difference like like we moved into a place and then we did x with the place because we wanted to and like Mm -hmm. we purposefully built this place to be like as oppressively pink and blue as possible like it exists solely like it was designed with a you know with a motive in mind it was designed with an agenda Whereas, designed to just be wrong yeah, yeah exactly and then whereas like their home is just like it is gaudy and weird and like uh, you know i i mean maybe maybe older older gays in the late 90s you know who yeah, were, yeah. who came of age in the the 60s and 70s maybe they decorated their homes like that but you know what i mean like like mm-hmm. it's a very ridiculous way to decorate your home but it's like they have a house that is yeah decked out to be gay yeah. But like this camp is specifically designed, you know, to to overwhelmingly exude straightness and like so yes. Yeah. Constructed the way that heteronormativity is constructed. You know, it's very obvious. Yes, method. that is why it's I chose really that. Really fucking yes. effective. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh just just mansplaining it for the audience. Um but uh yeah, but then so to that, I think the center of this movie, the like thematic and character and plot center of this movie is when they have sex. And that is the most correct the movie ever feels. And yeah. there's yeah. a lot of attention played to like them kissing and they kiss with tongue. And it's like just 
very lovely and and kind of hot and like true to life in in the way that when she's trying to kiss the football player at the beginning it is is so not you know right um yeah well and it's the thing too that um it's a thing too like you you hit on it with um with like the bit about the matrix and like how you know Mm -hmm. specifically though like this scene is clearly shot by a woman for women um but it's like the thing is and and to to a larger point it's one of those things where it's like i less think that it's the difference is not that like they're like oh well this is the way we're going to we're gonna do a lady sex scene you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, this is what they want to see but it's like the difference is when a woman is shooting this scene she has two actors playing two people, how they would be like, how they would actually be having sex. And it's very clearly for the, like for the characters, like what is going on on screen is like, it's tender and it's soft and it's like, you know, it's a little, you know, it's, it's a little scary, but overall, like it's good, but it's, it's, it's those things for them. Whereas again, there are like i am not i am not one of those twitter puritans i make fun of the twitter puritans who all the time are like you shouldn't have a sex scene in the movie unless it involves the plot like yeah like, fuck that no that's, way. that's a horrible take and like there are some good sex scenes because like you know what sometimes it's really fun to watch a movie and see two pretty people kiss Mm-hmm. And like sometimes when those pretty people get like a little more than halfway naked and you see some stuff, it's like sometimes that's cool. Like I can get behind it. Like I can. Like yeah. believe it or not, yeah. I can. But it's the thing where it's like it's a difference where the difference is they're telling these two actors, like, hey, play it like these two characters are enjoying it for themselves and not hey the audience needs to get that this is really hot and fucking good so like can you get mm-hmm. really big and can we get like the moaning in there and can we get yeah. the you know can we get the various trappings you know it's it's what? not performative with it yeah, none of it not, is performative gonna, yeah uh-huh and we're not getting the the sideways angle of her whipping her hair back in ecstasy you know right right and it's it's funny that you brought up the matrix because i was like the, the, the exact other side of the same coin is, have you ever seen Bound, Carson? I haven't. I need to. It's, oh, it's no, on you the don't. list. No, you I don't. got it. No, you don't. Oh, no, okay. No, no, okay. No, 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 no. okay. If you've never okay. seen Bound, I'm, I'm maybe taking that. Okay. Put it, yep. Put it on the list. Absolutely. But um, the, the, the flip side of this sex scene, which um, Bound is, you know, for those listening at home, the Wachowskis first film, the Wachowskis, the director of the Matrix uh, franchise, you know, um, two trans women. And um, the flip side of this scene is the sex scene in Bound, which is an extremely ridiculous, ridiculously over-the-top gratuitous like like Mm -hmm. they're sweating and they're whatever but similar to this the 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 intensity is from the characters for the characters you know like Mm -hmm. it's very clear that like obviously like it is not obviously it is two actors like it is actually like real people sex but it is that thing where it's like it is this also like otherworldly thing that we almost don't see in film ever because there aren't many female directors working, but like it is the flip side of the coin for this movie where it's, it's like, it's tender and it doesn't need to be like over the top because 
because it's for the flip side of that is bound where it's like you can have a really intense like really crazy dramatically like shot and lit and ridiculous sex scene but if but like the key is that it's ridiculous and over the top and intense for these characters who are in this film you know it's like it's like yeah what would two women who just really want to fuck each other like what would they just that they look, you know what i mean and do they so, and do they really want to fuck oh boy yeah bound is great yeah. bound is great it is a very strange movie the best way as possible um have you seen I the handmaiden that movie yes i have, have you seen the yes, handmaiden I okay damn i, I was handmaiden. like that'd be a that'd be a good double feature bound and the handmaiden that movie's i really like that movie it's also insane well i I guess i I haven't seen bound i don't know but that's well that's the movie that is very like i mean there's a lot of sex in the handmaiden but that's a movie with a lot of lesbian sex that is and i love i love the handmaiden i think that thing rules it's crazy but i think it rules um but that i you that movie you can very much tell is shot by a man like 100 percent, 100 percent. um yeah but so but it's not it's it's not as egregious as most movies though i would still say no. like, the handmaiden well, the handmaiden is still, well, like well <laughs> there's some parts in the handmaiden they're pretty egregious no 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 i just mean i just mean i just mean in terms of the in terms of the like like the overly performative like yes, these sure. characters aren't enjoying this sex this is shot to titillate the audience and like it is a much yeah. more romantic and it is a much more like sensual kind of like you know it is a bit more stylized but like for for like it it's it's pretty okay if you wanted but anyways, I love that movie. those are that's kind of I, like i wouldn't say the holy trinity but that's kind of like you yeah know, three, yeah like this movie bound three and interesting kind of yeah are kind of like three different points on the same thing of like you can have sex scenes where the women are enjoying it yeah in yeah. a way that isn't performative for their partner or for the audience yeah. like yeah women <laughs> contrary to popular beliefs so many do enjoy <laughs> sex <laughs> so i've i've met a few of them let me tell you uh my recommendation for the audience is if you want to see a movie in which every sex scene is a psychological battle of wills go watch the handmaiden it's a weird movie um so back to but i'm a cheerleader i yes. think one of the smartest and i don't know it's weird because again i'm not i'm not the one who's ingratiated super hard into the queer culture of the late 90s so i don't know how obvious of a casting choice this was back then but just the 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 casting of RuPaul as the male camp counselor, the, like him walking out of the van and that revelation is such a perfect encapsulation of what the next like 40 minutes of the movie are gonna be. Like I think that you you are your comedic sen- your comedic and personal sensibilities are either such that you see RuPaul show up in that in that outfit and that horrible goatee, and you go, "I know exactly what this is," and I'm I'm down. I get the joke, and I'm fucking here for it. Or you're just like, "I don't know, it missed me," you know? Like that is so perfect. Like, cause fucking RuPaul's essentially doing like straight drag, which is what the fucking all the shit in the in the 
you know, what a lot of the stuff in the, in the costuming in the, uh, in the conversion camp is. It's wonderful. No, yeah. I mean, you're 100% right. And I have that note as well that, like, obviously, if you've never, if you have no fucking clue who RuPaul is, even just the yeah. fact that, like, even just the fact that, like, there is a man who is clearly a gay man playing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but it is that thing where it, it, it adds that layer if you're in on the joke, which is because there are the mo- there are moments when other than like the parents, like when he like drops his voice, like he does a pretty good job. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he drops his voice and like, you know, talks like very quote unquote, like straight, very quote unquote masculine. Mm-hmm. Like you buy it almost. Like, yeah. It's the best version of it you get in the movie that's filled with all of these little gays running around. And mm-hmm. it is that thing where it's like, it's like, I know for a fact, because I know who RuPaul is. I know that he's the gayest person here. So if he can almost trick me into thinking he's straight, like yeah. this whole thing is a sham. And like, I love, I love yeah. your, um, I, I love your use of straight drag because that's a hundred percent what it is. It's like, that thing of like I can I can fake it so fucking well like if I go so so over the top with it of them wearing like flannel shirts all the campers wearing flannel shirts with the with the arms cut off and like jean short shorts and boots and it being like ah yes so straight just (laughs) it's so straight isn't it um but yeah oh boy oh boy fucking RuPaul yeah RuPaul's really good like on on the ship for the whole movie. So let's talk real quick. I do before we want to go. I, I, I it needs needs to be addressed because I want to get your opinion on this. The the parents and the way that the parents are treated throughout the movie is like basically at at times I both thought like oh my god this is such again like just really like oh this is sharp writing and sharp right like the the great synergy of where the writing and the and the acting and the directing all meet each other and make something that is more complex than any of those individual elements is um but also there are times where i'm like i was like i don't know is this is this the i think it's a good choice but am i a am i a bad straight that i i think this way about like just how much fucking empathy this movie treats most of the parents with is like kind of insane to me that it can get away with that because other than Clea Duvall's parents who are just clearly monsters, like just the worst, most of the parents, and in particular you see it with Megan's parents in those Mm -hmm. scenes where they're doing kind of the group parent therapy, the parents are not filled with hatred other than Clea Duvall's parents. They are just like so fucking scared. They're just like so scared. Oh no, what if my child is gay? And that is both a horrible criticism in, of, in and of itself because it's like, uh, you son of a bitch, like what the fuck? What, what, why are you afraid that your kid might be gay? That's a little fucked up, you know? But the fact that so many of them are not pearl clutchers is kind of interesting to me. And again, you see it in that central dynamic with Megan's parents, which is such a, a small part of the movie. But again, one that I think is mm-hmm. like all this movie treated with so much complexity that like there is a clear difference between the way and it bears out in the little post credit scene that you get between the way that her mom and her dad see her is that like the mom is a fr- like 
is so afraid that she's going to get off the track of traditional femininity to the point that she is being outright cruel to her daughter, whereas her dad is just kind of afraid and just kind of going along with it and clearly very much loves her and just wants her to be okay. And you get that verified by another scene that is, I just, I mean, so fucking lovely of the little post-credit stinger you get of the dad leading the like the parental meeting. ally. Yeah. Yeah. Is like, is great. Like, and I don't know, like the fact that this movie, I think it pulls off this wonder and it's the case for the whole thing. I think that it pulls off this wonderful, this wonderful high wire act of being like so fucking clear about what the problem is and who the enemy is and like what is wrong with society and the fact that it is very much not the queer people but also treating so many of the people who are upholding the you know who are upholding that that system with so much empathy I think is like I don't know it's it's a it's a tough a tough needle to thread and I I think the movie does it really well yeah I mean I think that it I think you're on to something there. And I think that the fact that it is such a minute part of the movie and the fact yeah. that they kind of have several different, like, like, uh, parental units in there, I think is good. Cause I mean, yes, Clea Duvall's family, very bad, like very clearly. Very bad. No good. Don't like them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very clearly like, fuck these guys. They are like actually malicious. Um, or then you obviously have um, you have Megan's parents that are very much like the confused, concerned, don't know what's going on, pretty clearly think it's the right thing to do. And I think that's the thing in a lot of the the scenes with the group as well. And I think, too, in the final scene when they're calling everybody up, like mm-hmm. the parents do look very proud of the kids yeah. and like like pri- like there's pride and there's relief and it's just like i think they do i think they do themselves right the movie by um like the movie does right by itself by not getting too far into it by never trying to like justify what the parents are doing yeah and never yeah. try to say like oh no it's fine like but it's just enough to be like you know they had the best intentions yes yes and you just i don't know and having because if they didn't have um cleo parents be like actively malicious like it is important to have that Mm -hmm. yeah it is important to be like these institutions and these places thrive like yes by the complicity of a lot of you know it's it's you know uh horrible like homophobia like transphobia all this stuff like 80 percent of the people in the world are not like violent flagrant bigots against marginalized Mm -hmm. groups it's just that 20 percent of the people are and like 70 percent of the remaining 80 percent just don't do anything about it yeah very easily swayed yeah i think that's a good line they walk where it's like it's like no 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 like some of these people actually have to be like actively malicious and actively cruel in order for Mm -hmm. all of this to go down but also some of them like just go along with it because they don't know better yeah and um and i mean i think it's true i mean it's true today 
it, it's very true today and uh, i think it was even more true when this film was being made and certainly like years ago of just like a lot of times a lot of times people don't know like people don't know gay people until yeah. someone they know comes out you know what yeah. i mean it's like yeah. it's like people like so many people like they don't know they don't work with anybody who they know is gay they don't like they they've never been friends with anybody that they know is gay and it's it's less that like oh like i know gay people and more like well i knew this person and then they came out so now i have like an entry point into that community and it's true in a lot of parents of queer people where it's like when they first come out they're like what the fuck like you can't do this like this is awful and like they're very unsupportive and like while it's not a good thing that they're unsupportive in the beginning, it's it's very true even today. And also when this movie was coming out that like most queer folks are met with resistance from their parents and their families when they first come out. And over time, a lot of those people like get over it, yeah. you know? And yeah. so I think that that's important in this movie to show the parents like, at the end the dad's just like you know my daughter's a lesbian and like super stoked for it but it is that same yeah. like it is a very normal experience um so it's much like a lot of the things this movie does it's very very broad and by how broad it is it's able to pack a lot in because it doesn't get bogged down with it it's able yeah. to just have like little bits here and there and you can infer and extrapolate and you can read between a lot of the lines so like Absolutely. i do think it's a good thing that they did that with the parents because it's important to address the parents because like they wouldn't be here without the parents like you can't like a yeah. kid can't send themselves to conversion camp <laughs> you know like yeah yeah even if the yeah. kid even if the kid wants to go like even if it's the kid's idea the parent has to sign the paperwork and drop them off so mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh well i think that's a pretty good final word that's my so review. Too. Yeah, this thing is fucking so broad and so ridiculous, but it has so much heart and so much complexity. And I am, I love it. It is so good. Yeah, it's a perfect little movie. I'm so perfect glad you liked it. It's a little movie. Yeah, um, me too. It was great. It was, at the, I watched this with my roommate as I do a lot of the movies we talk about. Just the end, she turns to me, she's like, that was great. I was like, that was great. Like, that was, that was a great movie. And I, yeah. Hell yeah. It's just, Great experience to have. Uh, all right, Corey. Corey. <laughs> Corey. Tell him to do it. Tell him to stuff. Do the thing. Do the thing you do. All right. If you if you if you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, please make sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hhyns podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at HHYNSPod. And uh, announcing this week, if you like what you hear and you want to support uh, what we do and make sure that we can do more of it, uh, please consider going to patreon.com slash HHYNSPod, where you will see multiple tiers, multiple levels uh, to help support our show, get more bonus content, and help us grow this thing to be even bigger. Oh, that's the first time you've said it on air and it felt so good to hear that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Shows down my spine. <laughs>
<laughs> but yeah, um, we are going to be launching a Patreon. Corey, you probably have the dates, but I don't have it on the top of my head. More details to come, but um, we're going to be doing some I can bonus get, stuff. I can give those details right now if you want. That would be Do great. It. The Patreon will be live on September 7th, and there will be sort of an intro to our bonus content. And then um, starting in October, that's when we're going to start really rolling out all of our bonus shows, bonus episodes, uh, really diving into all of our bonus content. So people are going to be able to sign up for about a month, and then we're going to jump off uh, and really jump into the deep end for awesome. force. That was three metaphors in one, but Hell there yeah. we go. <laughs> also, I'm just looking at the calendar right now. Um September 7th, that's today. It's not the day we're recording it. It's the release day. That is today. Oh, you beautiful bastard. Thank you. Synergy. So um, we're going to be doing a lot of- I don't think we said it this episode, but we record these out of order. (laughs) Yeah. Go follow our Patreon today. Oh Oh my God, Corey, Corey, that reminded me. Oh my God. I, I promised a thing in an episode that comes out in the future that I almost didn't uh, uh, co- that I yes, almost didn't did. make good on in this episode. Okay, so before we go, I'll tell. Okay, I'm gonna hold the information of what movie we're doing next week hostage until I get this out. It's Corey Caroline. So in the future, we're doing. Uh, fuck it, I'll just say it. It's part of the. It's part of the bit at this point. We're doing before sunrise in a few weeks. Um, and the the actor that acts opposite Ethan Hawke in that movie is a French actress named Julie Delpy, and she's wonderful and she's great, and she's in very few American movies. Funnily enough, she's in Avengers: Age of Ultron. That's weird, um, but she's in this movie. She's her. She has the best background extra name of all time, which is just lipstick lesbian. Great. Um, <laughs> she's the woman that Wait, you know. That's a term, right? No, yeah, I know that's a term. That's what oh, I'm saying. Okay, I'm just making, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm just making sure. <laughs> Not that straight, geez. Um, but the it's the <laughs> it's the woman that uh, they see from across the bar that Megan dances with for a little while. They're like, you know, they get all all jealous, and that's a thing. Um, but and this is my letterbox review, basically. <laughs> but when Julie Delpy showed up, I had had a few drinks at this point. And I uh, jumped up on my couch like Tom fucking Cruise and started not quite full volume, but yelling, Julie Delpy, holy shit, Julie Delpy, like at my roommate, like, is that fucking Julie Delpy's in this movie? Um, And she had to tell me, Carson, there are other people that live in this building. You need to calm down, man. And I went, I know, but it's Julie Delpy's in the movie. Um, And so that blew my mind. And I... (laughs) I promise that I said that. I God, this is we're doing ten in at this point. I promise that I said that on this episode, on the Before Sunrise episode. So I needed to say it to make sure that I said it, so that when I say it in the future, it makes sense. <laughs> okay. Inception. Blah. So anyway, go give money to us so anyway. we can do that more. Yeah, yeah please, um, so I can yell about Julie Delpy more. Yeah, I'm really excited to um, start recording some of the stuff for the Patreon. Uh, so if you are interested in signing up for our Patreon starting today at the $1 level, you will get a special shout out on the podcast, your name featured in the show notes of each episode. And each month you will get a, what have we seen episode? These, what have we seen's can be just about anything, a mailbag talking about what movies we've seen, big movie news, uh, assuredly, uh, 
talking about Spider-Man news and trailers, <laughs> which leads us to the $5 level, which is Carson and Caroline. Do you guys want to talk about this? Yeah. 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 Um, so obviously at the $5 level, you're going to get all of that. And then we're going to be doing kind of a companion piece to this show because, you know, I think it's important that when you guys get bonus content, it's not just us doing whatever the fuck we want. So we were kind of thinking, you know, okay, the show's about like one of our favorite movies the other hasn't seen. So basically the idea of the Patreon feed is going to be us um, just geeking out about a movie we both love. Um, well, we have several series lined up, um, several different franchises, several different like, like solo individual films. And um, Carson, do you want to let them know what we're going to be starting with? Yeah, so a big part of the foundation of my friendship with Caroline Thompson uh, is that we both fucking love the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies and are both huge defenders of the third one, which is not a great film, but it's a pretty good one. It's pretty good. Uh, Oh, I can't wait for that episode. It's going to be great. In particular, Spider-Man 2, which is like one of the, one of the maybe five masterpiece a masterpiece and the best american superhero movie and one of the like five movies that i will if you ask me like what's your favorite movie i i will very easily say yeah spider-man 2 by sam raimi it's uh, great um so we're going to our first series where we get about movies that we love that we both like co-equally love is going to be uh, a three episode series where we go through all three of the sam raimi spider-man movies and just gush and get disgusting about how good they are it's gonna be a real good time yeah oh man um that's gonna be uh october november december those are gonna be once once a month hell yeah hell yeah well if that's all there is bonus episodes here and there and yeah Oh, yeah, yes, just, and we we have a couple other surprises in yeah. store, but check out patreon.com slash hhynspod. We drop uh, to see all, all of the those. time. Well, if that's all there is to do, uh, Caroline, you want to know what movie we're doing next week? I would love to know what movie we're doing next week because while I technically right. know because I do have the calendar, as we said, we do these out of order, and I am so confused Ooh. as to where any of this is. So what are we doing next week? So... We're taking a, a hard right turn uh, to another movie, which I think is pretty functionally perfect, but very different from uh, But I'm a Cheerleader. And we're going to be discussing Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Yes. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And now that you say it, I do know that that's the movie we're doing. Uh, it's a really we, good movie. We recorded that like three weeks ago. Anyway, um, I'm very <laughs> excited to watch that movie in between today and next tuesday the september Uh 14th i think (laughs) all right um i think that's it for me you guys um i'm losing it a little bit so thank you guys so much for uh for tuning in and we will see you guys next week when we talk about the road warrior i'm gonna go have another cup of coffee (laughs)